Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my interview today is with Anne Shin. She's a returning guest to Face to Face, and we talk about her new film, My Enemy, My Brother. And if you want to learn more about that, myenemymybrothermovie.com. You can find out the awards uh, that Anne has won with this film, uh, the, where, where it's going to be playing coming up soon in Montreal and Vancouver in Edmonton, where she's been, uh, coming back from the UN and the Hague, and we had we had just such a marvelous time together. We talked about uh, about miracles and serendipity. We talked about PTSD and trauma and and the healing of wounds and about the other. We had this great conversation around uh, what it means to to be a neighbor, to be a neighbor here in Canada, to be a global neighbor, uh, kind of based largely on a, a quote by Stefan Dion at a, a recent event that uh, Anna. She was on a panel discussion where Stefan Dion was uh, was there alongside and had some really interesting things to say about trust and about hope and about, uh, as he said, finding a piece of blue sky uh, in the in the storm of war. Uh, I think you're going to really enjoy uh, this interview today, uh, and you do need to see the film. So check it out online, or try to check it out in a uh, coming soon to to a theater near you. And if you're interested in in what I'm up to, Patreon.com. Check us out online there. You can get behind face to face and support the work that we're doing there. And uh, we're we're uh, we're launching. We are we're launching. We've launched and have close to, I think, 360, 365 interviews online. So check us out there, face-to-facelive.ca, for more information. Coming right up, Anne Shin uh, talking about her film, My Enemy, My Brother. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a returning very special guest here. Anne Shin is here today to talk about her film, My Enemy, My Brother, and I even have an acronym now for the film, so that's fantastic. (laughs) And thank you so much, this beautiful, sunny Gorgeous spring day here in Toronto. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's great to be back talking with you. So, so it's been over a year, I think, mm-hmm. since we had a conversation. And and, I, and as I was uh, making my way here today to chat, I just I kind of thought, you know, sometimes I think themes, sometimes I think, uh, you know, let's talk about subject matter, about the you know the film or the book or the essay or the initiative or whatever it is my guest is is into. 
Um, but I think there's there's a fair bit of history, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's happened since the film mm -hmm. uh, was finished. Can, I mean, and there, I'm, I'm sure we've got some new listeners. So maybe a couple questions right out of the gate. Tell us a little bit about what's been going on uh, with the film. And, and you're just back from The Hague and a couple festivals, which is incredible. Love that. Uber congratulations on all that stuff. Thank you. Um, so, so, yeah, I'd love to hear some of that anecdotal stuff. But also maybe you can just... Bring our listeners up to speed on on MEMB. Sure. Okay. <laughs> MEMB, My Enemy, My Brother, is a documentary that follows um, two men, former enemies from the Iran-Iraq War. And so Naja was an, uh, an Iraqi soldier who was saved by Zahed, an Iranian soldier, during battle. And Zahed was a child soldier who risked his life to save Naja. And then by sheer coincidence, 20 years later, they meet again in Canada. And so I follow them as they, as that kind of miraculous meeting triggers a further search for their family back in Iraq and, and an attempt to reuni reunify with family in Iran as well. Um, and so we, we finished the feature film and it uh, debuted at Hot Docs to sold out audiences. It was wonderful. And it's been touring through festivals and it was at The Hague, um, and it was screening in Berlin, and also screened at the UN Human Rights um, Council, and that was that was a great screening, great conversation about the importance of um, freedom of religion and um, mm. religious views, um, and how it impacts society, migrants and refugees. So Mm -hmm. So so many questions. Yeah. So many questions. I mean, it's a it's a great film, and it's a film that I hope everybody sees for so many reasons. It's and what I think I love about documentary and just storytelling in general, it's so layered. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a film, and one I want to ask you if you believe in miracles. Let's get to that in a second. Yeah. But but and serendipity. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. Yes. This chance yeah. like meeting, right? Yes, and, it is. And where does determinism and all those things fall yeah. into play? But. But um, it's just such a beautiful film about, about friendship and about yeah. family and about mm -hmm. hope and redemption and mm -hmm. peace. And, and mm -hmm. the list kind of goes on, really, doesn't mm -hmm. it? It's, it's not about just these two men who, one, I mean, who, who by chance met in the middle of the Iran-Iraq war. Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, we follow them. We're deep in, like, it, we meet their family. We, you know, Neja meets family he hasn't seen in three decades, and they're, they're kissing and hugging and crying, and we're in and amongst them, and there's kids underfoot, yeah, and it's just, yeah. it's full of the richness of life that happens. Uh, and we get a really, uh, we're privileged to kind of get a really intimate view of what it's like to live in Iraq now. And what it has been like to be living in Iraq during decades of conflict, ongoing conflict. Do you believe in miracles? Um, I believe that there is a reason why things happen. Right. So yep. I think yep. that there's often some reason why there might be a serendipitous encounter or, you know, or it often leads to something really great. And it did so with these guys. Yeah. It's, and so, so just to be clear, uh, um, the one, they, they bump into each other in the middle. They're enemies. Yes. They bump into each other. The one saves the other's life at great risk yes. to himself. Yeah. Um, probably maybe even execution. Mm-hmm. 
they end up becoming prisoners of war, separated for many, yeah. many years. Ironically, on either side of the war, they're right, held right, by each other's right, armies. Right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, some 20 some years or 30 years later, yeah, meet, years. meet in Vancouver. Yeah. In a, in a counseling <laughs> just, center. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. Did you make this up? <laughs> I know. No, I wouldn't because no, you know, no yeah, editor yeah. would be like, this, oh. This, this, this is crap. No yeah. one's going to believe it. Nobody's going to believe this story. <laughs> this is just too contrived. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was phenomenal. Like they met um, and at first they didn't recognize each other. Right. But then they were like uh, saying, oh, so you were in the war too. And funny, yeah, I was a prisoner of war too, ironically. And then they're going on and yeah, I was in that battle. And then one the other says, you know, uh, you know, in that battle, actually someone saved me, this young soldier. He was... He was too young to even have a beard yet. And that's when the other soldier, Zahid, getting, was like... Getting goosebumps. Yeah. Right? Like, it's... That soldier, you know, he was like, was me. You have a, a line of stitches across your belly button. You know, you have teeth missing in your upper left side of your mouth. Like, he identified all the wounds that Najah had. And that's how they... Um, they didn't believe it at first, either, either of them. But uh, it I happened. Love I love how, uh, and, and, I, and I'd love to hear a little bit about this too, about the, the, the history of how the film came to be, the New York Times op-ed mm -hmm. piece that you were nominated for uh, an Oscar for, I believe. Nominated for an Emmy and shortlisted for an Oscar. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Which is amazing. Thank you. Um, and I want to come back to that notion of identifying the wounds because to me yeah. that's sort of what this film is really all about, yeah. this sort of long-term effect, yeah. the PTSD, the trauma, the... The the, the, the the wounds that we all carry, for frankly, sure, right? For sure. And, and not, you know, we're all fighting our own wars of, of one kind or another, it seems to me. But um, and I'm, so so yeah, so New York Times, you know, you end up getting the full length feature, and I'm not sure if this appears in both the short and the full length. But I love the moment where they meet, and uh, they talk about how um, they each mistook each other for a different nationality. Yeah. So the Iranian says, oh, you're an Iranian. Mm -hmm. No, actually, I'm Iraqi. Yeah. Well, aren't you Iraqi? No, I'm Iranian. Yeah. I love that moment. Yeah. It's such an important moment yeah. for me about this idea. And we're going to come back to this whole idea of neighbor, too, I hope, before the end of the interview. But, yeah, the validation of the other. And, and, that, and, that, and also, though, that, that how easy it is to disregard you know, oh, you must be Iraqi. No, actually, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm Iranian. Yeah, I think it points to two things that, you know, we can think about here. One is, like, that this can happen in a country like Canada, who's received refugees. These two men were enemies, and their countries were warring. But here, they're both refugees, and they've settled into their lives in Canada. And they can meet in a peaceful time, and you know, be in a calm and peaceful, safe environment enough to, to just notice each other and right, begin nice. a conversation on a friendly level and mistake each other for the same kind of ethnic back, background or same national, you know, background. So that's, that's one thing about how it's, 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 it's a testament to countries that receive refugees from conflict zones and, and allow them to start lives again. The other thing, though, is that it's a real kind of... Um, a, a real remarkable story about something that happens all across the globe mm, of, about mm. enemies that will f meet again in redemptive times or how people will find redemption from uh, trauma and particularly war trauma. Um, I know there's a project you're working on mm -hmm. that's following um, a, a, a fellow who was involved with Khmer. 
move, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that uh, this kind of uh, story about the possibility of redemption is is kind of universal, and that's that's the other thing that's quite moving about um, having followed. Well, it's interesting. Th thanks for his name, Soon, by the mm -hmm. way. But what what's interesting was Soon is in the, in the Khmer Rouge. It's it's all about memory, oh, and yes. your film's about memory as yeah. well. Yeah. And and about about finding their way home. Yeah. And this is what's so beautiful about the second sort of phase of the or the I don't know if you would call it the second part of the film or the second part of the story, but how they how they go back home mm -hmm. to try to connect with their roots mm -hmm. and 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 remember. Yeah, I think memory is really important in healing wounds, obviously, and redemption, particularly on a on like a national level as well as on a personal level. So someone like Naja. One kind of blocked out his past because it was so traumatic. He was mm. a prisoner of war for 17 years and, uh, you know, suffered a lot of atrocity and torture. Mm -hmm. But it was when he met Zahed that he thought, oh, my goodness, my missing wife and son. Like, if I can meet this soldier who saved my life 20 years ago, maybe there's still a hope for me to meet my wife and son. And that's what made him want to go back to Iraq. And what happens is that... He's able to heal some of the old war wounds, the post-traumatic stress syndrome that he suffered from. He was able to start to heal that because he was able to confront it finally and to, to address and express some of the, the traumas that he had lived through, you know, years ago, decades mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. um, I think when uh, Naja is re relating the story, I think maybe, maybe it's ahead, but... When he he's wounded, he comes across him and finds his uh, Quran. I yes, believe. yes. And as he's flipping through it, obviously you would think there would be a respect there mm -hmm. on both sides, uh, immediate respect of some kind, and you sort of communicate that without a doubt. But then he stumbles on to speak of memory. Uh, he stumbles on uh, flipping through a photo, mm -hmm. and I think the line was right right away. He changed into a human. I mean, it's such a beautiful line. Yeah. Uh, and it was, I think, I had saying it was sort of at that moment that I decided, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna kill this man, or I'm not gonna leave him to bleed out and die. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna save his life. Yes, yeah, because up until that point, uh, Naja was just another faceless enemy soldier in a bunker full of wounded and dead enemy soldiers, and Zahed's duty was to kill anyone who was left alive, and Naja was just another. Can you imagine, can you imagine giving yeah. that order? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's just mind-boggling, yeah. right? Yes. You're just going to make sure everybody's dead. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, but it's just mind-boggling. So, and Zahed was a child soldier right. at the time. Right. It was quite the task. And he was going through the bunker, and he finds Najah, who is alive. But it's true, like, until he saw the photo, which was a photo of Najah's wife and son. Like, suddenly he became human. Change into, it's, it's, yeah. it's true. Like, suddenly it was like, Oh my God! Like he's this man is just a bit older than me. He has a, a wife and a little baby, just like my older brothers. And you know, suddenly he could relate again. And and that is, I think, the the thing that's so inspiring about their story that that moment of humanity and connection could interrupt, you know, what happens in war for this one for these two men. And it changes their lives forever. It's remarkable in a way to think of it um, as an argument for hope in a sense, mm -hmm, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the whole film mm -hmm. is that. And 
and their story and going yeah. back and the bumping into each other. I mean, the serendipity of it all, right? The yes. hopefulness of that. But I so love the fact that you're, what you just said, that in the middle of this utter uh, chaos, madness, these, this evil, you know, let's use as many words as we can here, right? To mm -hmm. describe how horrific the situation must have been. Mm -hmm. And you bring out in the film that this was a pretty uh, horrible, messy war. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was the longest conventional war of the 20th century. Yeah, wow, yeah. wow. And chemical weapons were used, yeah. and it was just, it was atrocious. I, I, I so love, though, that yeah. you bring out this notion that in the middle of that, there was still this opportunity to hope. Yes. And that, that something occurred, that it wasn't yeah. so bad yeah. that Zahed Najat For couldn't, sure. couldn't sort of work through it. For sure, yes. We had a, a screening at the um, Berlin, you know, the Canadian Embassy in Berlin. And, nice. And the uh, ambassador to Germany, Stefan Dion, had spoke about it. And he I'm glad said, you bring him up. I want to yeah, quote him. Yeah. So no, go ahead. You, you, you can quote him. Okay, is know. this the same quote? Yes. Okay, maybe it might be. Yeah. So, quote, what strikes me is the humanity of these two men. From their example, we see that even at the worst of times, the best in people may be revealed. This movie is fundamentally optimistic. Nice. And we need this optimism. Otherwise, what remains is complete despair. And we need hope, because hope is the necessary motive for action, progress, and improvement." Close quote. Wow. Stefan Dion, ambassador yeah. uh, to Canada for Germany. Wow, what a beautiful quote. I mm -hmm. was going to quote him as well, very similarly mm -hmm. to that, or similar to that quote, but maybe I'll bring that back near the end. But mm -hmm. um, So he spoke that to the room? Mm-hmm, he did. In the introduction? Uh, was this a, in the Q&A? Yes, in the introduction. Right. And um, it was a great um, screening where there were the secretary to the state, I think, I believe, of Berlin, and then there was an immigration minister, and there were community groups. They were all talking about the in, influx of migrants and refugees mm, mm, into mm. Germany, but also into Europe. So it was a discussion about um, inclusion of, of, of migrants right. and refugees. Inclusion. And just, yeah. There and, we go. Yeah. And, the, and some, of the, some of the big challenges that um, are facing migrants in Europe now. Isn't, isn't that kind of what Dion is saying in the quote and what you're saying through the film and, and I hope through the work that I'm doing and, and I hope, I mean, uh, is this idea that of our, who, who actually is our neighbor? Yes. Right? Yeah. So here we are in your house in Toronto. Mm -hmm. is, it, is it next door to the left of us, to the right of us, to across the road? Or is mm -hmm. it... Is it you know ten thousand kilometers away potentially? Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. we live. What does global village mean anymore? Yeah. What is the world is flat? You know Friedman yeah. says the world is flat. I'm not even sure what that means yet. Right. But 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 the, again back to this notion of humanity and hope. Yeah, I would say that the name your neighbor is someone who you know and feel a sense of community with, and would you know kind of feel like you're part of a kind of a society with them. And that would mean, you know, whether that neighbor is uh, a refugee from another country yeah. or someone who's lived in, the, in this country for, you know, two generations or who's lived here for 20 years or 30 years. Or perhaps your neighbor is also um, people of another country who are related to someone you care about in your physical neighborhood. Like, I think that that might be the one the way one might understand the term global village so it's like, not it's not a question of proximity i don't think so no i think it's an approach to 
others around mm. you mm. and being aware not just of you know your own corner of the world but your own your role in in world your your role and responsibility role as a world citizen yeah no it's good it's interesting that you brought Dion up I was going to quote him and then uh, I read I guess it was I might have read the introduction even online but he actually says we were neighbors mm -hmm. in, in maybe in the speech that mm -hmm. uh, the introduction or maybe it was post or an article about mm -hmm. but he refers hard to convince people of that it seems to me mm -hmm. I mean it's a lot has happened since we last talked and uh, easy to trump bash easy to go after the U.S., but sure. you know what? Uh, I'm not convinced that we're that much different up here in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe in the West is a better way to put it when you mm -hmm. look at what is happening in, in Berlin, uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in Europe, mm -hmm. and this desire to sort of, it seems, hold the other out. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Got to protect ourselves right here. Yeah. I mean, inclusion's okay as long yeah. as we only go so far, yeah. right? Well, you think about the history of Iraq, and I mean, I think this is where it's interesting to talk about the role of memory and mm. knowing of history mm. to understand how we are neighbors, how we are all related, in fact. Hmm. Like, we in North America think of Iraq as this other country where a lot of violence goes down, a lot of conflict, ISIS came out of there, like, you know, that's how we see Iraq, as those people, right? Yeah, no, for sure. But, yeah. in fact, we had a hand in creating, you know, the situation in which ISIS could could flourish and and you know and become become a, a political force, if you think of just what Najah says in the film, he says you know the, the Iran Iraq War, which is, takes us back to the eighties, is was one was a proxy war. He doesn't say the word proxy war, but he right, says right. that it was the Americans versus the Russians. They they were the ones who started the fire, he says, right. and we were the wood in the fire because mm. we bought weapons from um, America and the others bought weapons from Russia. And then we killed each other with their weapons. And it was, you know, this unrest that caused, you know, a vacuum and a debilitation of infrastructure in Iraq. And that's how ISIS could start in Iraq. And of course, I'm not even talking about the Iran, the, the Gulf Wars that happened. There's a lot of American involvement there. There was also some Canadian involvement, British and French involvement. And we're not even talking about the British involvement in the Middle East, you know, prior, to, like early part right. of the 20th century and late Yeah, now we're, century. now we're getting into a, a class lecture essay on colonialism. I frankly, know, right? yeah. And, it, and, but, and, and I know that some people just turn off when yeah, we use the phrase, exactly. right? But it's just like we, our hands are... are Oh. Our hand, we're guilty. Oh, Our hands are, are covered are, in blood. Yeah, exactly. Covered we're part blood. of this. Yeah. We created. Yeah. We are part of creating the situation. So it's not Iraq's problem. Well, you know, about, we are Vietnam. neighbors. Yeah, exactly. And Cambodia, yeah. and Laos, something near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And I just, I, I mean, that's what drew me in. Mm -hmm. Was was the complicity of it all? Mm -hmm. I was in Singapore with Elizabeth, my wife, not at the time. She was teaching. A friend of hers comes back, spends three days in Cambodia. She's in tears. She's showing me actual pictures, by the way, not digital, sort of mm. like actual prints yeah. of her trip that she had done at a 24-hour yeah. booth. Those were the days that were the you days. hold the pictures in your yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of sort of, I guess it's still digital memory, but still the, the what is it, the simulacra, John Baudrillard would say. But anyway, yeah. um, and she was so touched. And so for the next three days, I go to a Japanese bookstore in Singapore, and I just... 
grab, I, I just read whatever I could read, and I didn't buy a whole lot, uh, much to their chagrin, I'm sure. But I started to just feel so, how come I didn't know about this? Okay, yeah. I was 10 at the time. Okay, fair enough. But still, why wasn't my family talking about this? Yeah. You know, and, and as I've learned, for so many reasons, the, the level of complicity goes so deep. And so if we're willing to say yes to that, all of a sudden now we have to have another conversation about neighbor, globalization, even even humanitarian aid, mm-hmm. it seems to me. For sure. It, it, it kind of changes, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. And then when there are refugees coming from these regions, mm. hoping to find safe birth in our own countries, yes. uh, we're not, like, how could we have the gall to say... You're not our problem. You're not welcome. You're yeah, not our problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are, you know, and the fiscal conservatives in the room who aren't here today would be probably saying things, well, yeah, but how are we going to afford it? Yeah. And what, what yeah. about the work that it's going to take away from my son and so on? I mean, mm-hmm. all valid questions, mm-hmm. and we need, to, we need to address them. But uh, I, I'm always interested when that's the default. Yeah. Right? And of course, like, they're when probably we go not going to take... We go to fiscal responsibility before yeah. moral... Yeah, and they're not going to take those jobs from right. those people's sons those right. people's sons those people's sons <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you yeah. know what i'm saying yes. there's yeah. Yes. yeah yeah i think w- maybe that's a new campaign we have those people's <laughs> sons we have a new campaign developing here and i'm not sure do you think and i want to talk i want I, I love I, I did a little bit more research on you for the interview today and i, I love your your academic background i want to talk about that in a second sure. and how that's influenced you as a filmmaker and frankly as a storyteller but do you think time heals everything I mean, you know, in relation to my enemy, my brother, I mean, is, is that a fair question? That's a great question. I think, no, time doesn't heal everything. Time gives one the opportunity to start healing. But the, the process of healing, I think, mm. requires conscious effort and support. Mm. You know, um, that's also where we can be helpful as neighbors those around us so so conscious effort and support uh, could be professional but might just be um friendship both yeah i Mm. find like even Mm. in the documentary process i'm not a therapist but just having these conversations with Najan and zahed helped them start telling their stories and start processing them without a doubt yeah so just being a listener and Mm. then being a supportive listener um helped them start to talk about things they hadn't talked about in decades and that, in and of itself, of course, as you as you know, will will start a healing process, right? I love become a supportive listener. We're kind of defining what a neighbor is. Mm. Like I, I went to again, I went to proximity, leaning over the fence, out mowing the lawn. You're out doing yeah. the roses or whatever, yeah. and you get into a conversation about yeah. whatever. And before yeah. you know, I didn't know that about you, and mm. kind of that whole you're Iranian, you're Iraqi, yeah. aren't you? That, I, yes. There's there's a beauty and a simplicity to this thing called community that for some reason we're making really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it, it is quite challenging because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, traditionally a neighbor is someone you just kind of. You grow acclimated to them. They're physically next to you. You get to see yes. them. You get to know yes. a lot about them before you start yes. talking. And you there's an obligation, yes. right? Yeah, you have but to then, sort of shovel their sidewalk yeah. once in a while. Yeah, but now you're getting, you know, the, it is it is a a, a a time of like global migration, and so um, it it takes a bit more effort to get acclimated with with newcomers. But I think. Um, I think that it's rewarding and it's like for, for all involved. Right. And right. Uh, I think it's just 
it should be it's just a fact of life well i'm always i've always been i think at least for the last 20 years or so i would say kind of suspicious of the uh, as i mentioned the default the default to towards exclusion mm -hmm. um well i mean it's it's the wall mm -hmm. right the, the the fact that the wall in 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 the u.s has resonated with so many people mm -hmm. is quite remarkable mm -hmm. uh, is, you know, it's a solution of a sort, I suppose, uh, to some problem. Mm -hmm. But really, that's what you want to do, and mm -hmm. you want to build it higher mm -hmm. and thicker, and and a wall that you can't even see through. Yeah, which is remarkable. So yeah. not only can air not get through it, you're not going to see any other human. You know, I mean, wow! Like talk about separation. I yeah. mean, it, it is sort of the building of a of a of a prison. Yes. You know, this is not a border really yeah. anymore, right? And the wall, in essence, is a distraction to their real problems, right? right? right. Which yeah. is, yeah. you know, the coal mining industry is, is, is bottoming out because it's actually not even viable anymore. And so all those communities that are suffering and not the communities that have relied on that industry that have unemployment and the despair gets, gets you know, sidetracked it gets uh what, what's the word i'm blocking it where it's you know instead of tackling that head-on and facing a realistic approach to how to change that community and, and bring hope to that community they're just blaming another right and and right. And, and distracting them with well, the idea of like let's diversion, put up a wall right? like you know let's channel your your despair into hatred towards uh, another group Instead of people. Instead of talking or in conversation yeah, and listening. Yeah. And it's not that simple. No. And again, the fiscal conservatives in the room are rolling yeah. their eyes at you and I right now. You yeah. know that, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, great. Those two just think it's about conversation. No, mm -hmm. of course not. It goes mm -hmm. way deeper than that. But building a wall? Really? Mm -hmm. uh, I love the fact, and again, it's it goes back to that scene where uh, um, uh, Zahad sees the photo mm -hmm. and I'm not sure who it was but said something about um, the smile touched my heart yes the smile touched yeah. my heart the yeah. face the yeah. actual physical contact mm -hmm. the, the the community that again that neighborliness mm -hmm. is what changed the course of these guys lives mm -hmm. and many others mm -hmm. that's something that we talked about also at the UN at the when we were uh, screening there which is the power of film mm. or anybody's you know documentation of event whether it's on their smartphones right. or their cameras right. yep. um, when you can see the people's faces when you can see people's lives suddenly it's not just a news story that happens to those people out there but you just it hits you that they're just like you or you know these the people right. caught up in whatever conflict or crisis are you know just normal people wanting to live their lives just like you and I, uh, but just happen to be on that side of the camera for this news story, you know? Well, that seems to be the problem, uh, or one of the many problems we, we face is this idea of uh, othering, I suppose. You know, mm -hmm. a sociologist probably or a political science would call, uh, scientist would call it othering, but mm -hmm. the idea that it's, it's, it's them versus us, and we're back to exclusion, we're back to the walls, mm -hmm. we're back to keeping out those refugees because they're going to take jobs, etc., away from us. Mm -hmm. um, but if we start to see others, you know, in the face, mm -hmm. in the smile, in the eyes, and say, we, we kind of are all in this together. Again, kind of corny in a way, and, 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 and an oversimplification, but it is, isn't it the beginning of a new way forward? 
I would hope so. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. I love what well, I would love what Dion said as well. So it's clearly a bit of a theme here today. But uh, he said, um, you know, the question in, in a quote, "My enemy, my brother, uh, M E M B." Um, inspires me to think about is the following. Is it possible in the midst of extreme sadness in the face of absolute horror and the storm of war to find a peace in blue sky? You know, we've talked about this already, a ray of hope, trust in humankind. Isn't that kind of, close quote, isn't that kind of mm-hmm. what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. This, this little, little incremental uh, seed planted, drop of water, fertile soil. I don't know. There's lots of metaphors. It can go far, as we've seen in the Egyptian spring, mm. you know, like mm-hmm. this, this, you know, uh, it can be just one person or a small group of people who are aware and conscious and act and, and it can engender, you know, such greater ramifications in their community. Sadly, so. we're going to have to wrap this up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, soon, but um, I do want you to talk about, if you wouldn't mind, a little bit about the fact that your academic background really has nothing to do with film, in a sense. Uh, yeah, I when did. You, uh... When you read it on the paper, mm-hmm. right? Master Master of Arts degree from U of T in English Lit, uh, BA, a U of T in Anthropology. In yes, I yeah, love it. yeah, I love it. So, yeah. so connected, but not. Yeah, I could tell you, like, I'll start from the point of view where it's not connected. It's like, you know, (laughs) I I wrote about Don DeLillo for my my master's, but also in anthropology, you know, was learning about participant observation and, Mm. and, um, you know, doing um, field work in communities. So I, I didn't do a journalism degree. I graduated at a time when, you know, you didn't have to pursue a journalism degree to start getting work in journalism. But I think that in in some ways, like it really did prepare me for my work because doing a documentary is like anthropology in a sense. You are either, you know, doing an ethnography about a community or, or a certain sector of society, or you're kind of being a participant observer mm, as a mm. as a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker, you're kind of embedded in the lives of your subject, right? And, yeah. and that's kind of the essence of participant participant observation in anthropology. But in terms of um, my literature degree, I I love story, right? I love story, and and that's that's what documentaries are all about. It's about finding these stories in real life that are so miraculous or illuminating or just so compelling you just want to share it um and uh so i find that it it probably did prepare me oh, for these I, these I careers think, yeah, yeah without a doubt but i think if you want to work in this field now you probably need a j school degree right, right. Yeah, yeah 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 you probably don't want to like was terence malick was a philosopher Right. Right. He did philosophy before, yeah. you know, it's probably not going to be that. You can the, see the that discipline. in Tree of Life. That's, oh, yeah, can you ever? Yeah, can you ever? Yeah. Um, is being a, a, a good documentary, a, a good documentary filmmaker, a documentarian about connecting those, uh, those narrative dots? It is. Um, with any documentary, you're you're trying to um, structure some meaning out of just everyday life, nice, which right. often doesn't have a right. neat beginning, middle and end right. and a nice climax. Right. And doesn't. Nice. Yeah, and, and even with my enemy, my brother, it didn't have that nice ending I was hoping for, but it, we did come to an end. So there's a lo- always, a, it's an interesting 
sense of always struggling to make sense of what's happening, what's unfolding, and trying to shape it into a story. And it's a bit like riding the crest of a wave. It's mm. that kind of a taking of a risk where um, you're, you, you, you have a sense of where the wave is going to go, but you right. just never, you're riding the crest of it because you have no control about what's going to happen in real life. Right. And right. so in that sense, it's, it's, it's a bit of a thrill. It's kind of a risk-taking right. Right. Sure. endeavor. I would think, yeah, I would think, yeah, any documentarian, I mean, it's, it is all about risks too, right? I mean, there's so many levels and layers of risk, mm -hmm. uh, stepping out to actually, you know, mm -hmm. do, do, do something like this, which kind of brings me to almost my last question. What's, what's next? I mean, I, I see on the site that, uh, um, you've got some screenings coming up, but, but mm -hmm. sort of blank spaces on those screenings or, or are, are the dates there yet? Yep. So Toronto, so, Hague, UN, um, what's, what's next? Okay. So. Uh, my enemy brother had its theatrical run in Toronto with a VR installation, um, virtual reality installation that's uh, for free. And it just takes a person inside um, the question of when you meet someone in a conflict zone, are you going to trust them or be suspicious of them? Mm. Will mm. you collaborate with them or combat them? And it's a series of interesting positions that you're, nice. you're you find yourself in so that happened in Toronto it's going to be in um, Vancouver in April and it'll also be in Montreal and I can give you those exact dates yeah and we will definitely publish them on the uh, on the site as well not only on my site but on Ravel the the site is is it my enemy my brother dot com my enemy my brother um, movie it's uh, anyway search Anshin, my enemy, my brother. It'll it'll yeah, be one of the my first. Yeah, my enemy, my brother, movie.com. My enemy, my brother, movie.com. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. You know, I just I'm gonna quote Naja uh, to sort of wrap this up, and it's really not if not fair to say this is the wrap up because it's just the beginning. But you know, his, his quote is, "It's very hard to get healed," you know, and I mean, it's just isn't isn't that a, a leveling? statement yeah. like aren't we all in that place yes families yeah. parents yeah you know, as kids as friends yeah. as brothers and sisters as go as, as as countries and provinces the list goes on for sure i mean even as an individual just you know yeah getting over childhood hurts yeah. Yeah. and yeah. and you know from maybe parents who were well intentioned but right you know yep. there may be yeah injuries there or or just or bullying or whatever experiences that people have you know experienced here it is true like the kind of healing work that Naja is trying to do is 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 like anyone trying to heal mm. um from past wounds and i mean his story the stakes are a bit higher right but it's it's i think equally poignant and and it um feels equally relevant to to people in that regard, it's someone trying to heal from their past and, and move on in their adult life. And I think something we all need to pay attention to, 
Thank you for your time today, Anne, and for, a, again, a beautiful film, a film that I hope everybody sees and Thank I hope you. lives uh, beyond the virtual reality experience and online and wherever it's going to live. Maybe it's going to live academically as well, possibly, on in some level. But I, I feel like it, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a layered piece. It's a beautiful piece. It's a hopeful film. So thanks for your time uh, uh, today. Anne Shin, talking about her new film, My Enemy, My Brother, here in sunny Toronto. Thank you, David. It's great talking with you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.